0: Today I want to look at a text in Mark chapter 5, it's one of my favorite passages, because it tells us about the life of Jesus, and that's where we're going to focus, I hope you have your Bibles, I want to pray for us, then we're going to look at Mark chapter 5 today, beginning verse 21, Father, what a joy it is to be in the presence of the living God, we're with you always, there's nowhere we go that you're not already, but when we come to church together with other believers, there's a special, uh, special time of gathering together in the name of the Lord, seeking your face and desiring to be filled with your spirit, confessing our sin to be, have it removed from us and, and radically covered in the blood of Jesus we just sang about. We desire today the filling of your Holy Spirit, for with you we can do all things, but without you we can do nothing. Please today anoint my mind and my mouth and my heart. I wasn't in Capernaum when this miracle happened, but goodness, I, I've read it and studied the point. I I sure wish I'd been there. You're a wonderworking God. And I believe today in this place, you don't want to work in the past. I believe you're a present-tense God. There's somebody in the room today that needs a touch of the Master's hand. There's likely somebody in a crowd this size that says, Brother Nick, I, I'm not a Christian. I've thought about it a lot. I've just never done it. I pray today will be the day they cross over and say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and live your life through me that I may be called a child of God. I would pray today somebody would be saved. I pray today somebody's got a heavy burden would come to the feet of the master and lay their burden at the feet of Jesus. For when we cast our, cast our cares on you, we discover anew you really do care for us. Today, fill this place as you filled it with the sound of praises to you. Now fill it with your splendor and your glory, and your presence and your power. And goodness, if angels are so uh, so amazed by your awesome nature that they cover their face in your presence, may we, at least, may we at least be highly respectful when we open the word of God. May our ears be open and attentive to the things you want to say to us in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In case you are ever wondering what was it like to live a life in the day of Jesus, Mark tells us. I love Mark's gospel because he's the shortest of the gospel writers. He got his material from listening to Simon Peter's sermons. And we know that because so many times in the gospel, he'll share an eyewitness account. It had to be there to recognize. For instance, when it says Jesus was asleep on the boat, he's on what tells us he was asleep on a cushion. wonder whose cushion that was. That's Peter's cushion. He said he, he slept on my cushion when I was out there in that storm. You ever been fishing with somebody? And they say, now you can sit back there. This is my seat. You know, the fishermen in their boats said y'all didn't ever go fishing. But if you ever do, a fisherman has his own seat. He says, don't sit there. That's mine. Peter said, that's my cushion. And the master slept on it. We know that when he writes it, I like Mark for another reason. He doesn't let any grass grow. His favorite words immediately. King James says straightway. He's urgently wanting to get that story out, 16 chapters. He tells about three years of ministry, and he does it, zip, 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 zip. Buddy, if you sleep on, on Mark, you've, you've missed most of Jesus' life. He's a quick-moving gospel writer. And so today, I want to tell you about a day in the life of Jesus after the day. If you want to read about the day, go to Mark chapter 4. Don't do it now, but go to Mark chapter 4, verse 1, and read to verse 20 of chapter 5, and that's a day in the life. If you ever wonder what all Jesus did in a day, Peter saying, "Did what we did one day, from daylight to dark to the next morning." Just before Mark chapter five verse twenty-one, Jesus has left the city of Capernaum and he's traveled over to an area that's Gentile. Capernaum and, and that part of Israel obviously is, is is Jewish, but he went over to an area that's Gentile called Gadara or the area of the gathering demoniac. And, and there's one man he went to see. Can you imagine? Jesus traveled all night by sea, and it was a stormy sea. In fact, the Bible says it was a seismos. We use a seismograph to measure earthquakes. It's believed that literally even at that moment, demons of hell were saying, let's kill him now. Let's drown him now while he's on the sea. And Jesus, you know, calmed the sea. They got to Gadara, and lo and behold, he met a man there that shrieked and hollered, says he cut himself, he bit himself. I mean, he threw himself uh, against rocks. He, he was awful and naked because he, he couldn't keep clothes on. And when Jesus called him and said, What's your name? He said, Legion. Now, I hope that was ministerially speaking. A legion, of, a Roman legion, 6,000 troops. So if this man was really, if he was really in, invaded by 6,000 demons, he was a mess. The Bible says he was a man who no, not even chains could hold him. So he likely had chains that had been trying to hold him. He's rattling nose as he runs. Chains around his feet that were broken. Cutting himself and hollering. And, and that's your welcome committee when you get to Gadara. And when Jesus got there said, so what's your name? He, as you know, cast out the demons in him. And he, the people came out and they were terrified because he was clothed and in his right mind. <laughs> Anybody ever scared you that's normal? Don't don't look at your neighbor. I'm just asking. Yeah. The Bible says when he did that, he got back in the boat, and they traveled back across to Capernaum, and we're going to pick up the story in Mark chapter 5. Look with me, Mark chapter 5, beginning in verse 21. When Jesus had crossed over again, now the meaning he came from Gadara, and he's now coming back to Capernaum, the fishing village where Simon Peter lived and, and Andrew lived. He crossed over again by boat to the other side. A large crowd gathered around him. A large crowd gathered around him. Now, isn't that interesting? He didn't even get into town. They were so eager for him to come back. They were on the seashore. The minute the boat pulled up, they're there. I don't know how you got up this morning, but goodness, the world's shape it's in. Maybe every morning, shouldn't we kind of be on the precipice looking maybe today? Wouldn't it be great if we had dinner tonight at home in heaven? Well, we ain't voting on it, but I'm just saying, wouldn't that be great? To sit at the master's table and get to eat of the hidden manna and say we're home forevermore in a place where there's no sorrow, no sadness, no difficulty, no wars, no CBS, CNN, NBC news. isn't that wouldn't, I know it sounds mystical and unbelievable, but we're going to be there soon, maybe tonight for dinner. Wouldn't that be something? The Bible says when, they got, when he got there, they didn't wait until he got to town. It says in verse 21, a large crowd gathered around him while he was still out out the seashore. They had been waiting for him to get back. And one of the rulers of the synagogue named Jairus, and this is amazing, he's a rabbi of the local synagogue. This, the Jews still don't believe he's the Messiah. The Jews said he, he's an imposter. The Pharisees said he's demon-possessed. He does his miracles by Beelzebub, the prince of demons. He wasn't well-loved, so what in the world is a Jewish rabbi? Come and talk to a Jewish rabbi of the other camp named Jesus. We're going to find out. One of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, it wasn't a debate or a dialogue or a fellowship. He fell at his feet. What are you going to do when you see him? Likewise, every knee shall bow, and every tongue confess. The Bible says he fell at his feet, and he kept begging him. My little daughter's at death's door. Come and lay your hands on her so she can get well. You ever seen a man... A woman begged for their child. Thirty-three years of broken era and fifty years in ministry. The hardest visits I ever had was somebody calling and say, "Pastor, can you get the hospital? Our little one is in ICU and not expected to make it." And you get out of ICU and mama and daddy and grandma both sets of grandparents and dear friends and sisters are they're wailing. Brother Nick, please pray for. The doctor says there's there's not any hope. We're, we need help. Please pray for us. You ever been there? I didn't like it either. But everybody's broken and begging, please spare my child. That's the pit that's attitude, this pick this rabbi. It's my little daughter this time, master. What's that old spiritual we used to sing? It's not my brother, not my sister. It's me, O oh Lord. That's what he said. I'm standing my little daughter's at death's door. Please come. Can you hear the pathos? The urgency, please come. Lay your hands on her so she can get well and live. And so Jesus went with him. And there was that crowd. They're not going letting him go anywhere they don't go. They, they know where he is. Good things happen. And they want to follow. There's a large crowd. They were following, and guess what? Pressing. I don't know what stadium you've tried to get into when there's a big game or what, what Coliseum or, or what concert you try to get into, but it's awful when they say the gates don't open till, and I mean crowds there, and the closer it gets to that opening gate moment, they're pushing and people at the front are about to be smothered. In fact, we've had people trampled to death. Because the crowd was pressing so hard. It says here they were pushing against him. Verse 25. And wouldn't you know it. Have you ever been on an urgent call. And somebody pulls in front of you going 25. Don't ever pull in front of me going 25. I'll pray for you. That locusts devour you and your car. (laughs) Don't pull in front of me going 25. Invariably you're in a big hurry. And somebody has nothing to do for the last six months. And they got nowhere to go for three or four days. And they're going 20. If that's you, come to the altar and repent. You have affected the attitudes of many, including me. The Bible says this woman, wouldn't you not? Know, forgive me, ladies. F- forgive me. I-, I wouldn't read it, but it's in there's a woman. He's on his way to take care of a death need, and this woman. <laughs> I didn't think you'd smile, but here's what it says. A woman suffering from bleeding. Now, no man can fathom this. I don't think a woman could. She had suffered from bleeding for twelve years. It, 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 it's amazing. The Bible says she had endured. Now, this verse sums up her whole life. Look with me in verse 20, twenty-six. Is that it? Twenty. I can't read that small print, but anyway, what are, twenty-six. Four verbs. What had her life been like? She had endured much for many doctors. She had spent all that she had in 12 years. So now she's not only diseased, she was broken, broke. She had not been helped. Is there anything worse than going to a multitude of doctors and each one says, I'm so sorry, there's nothing we can do. And then not only that, look at this. Not only was she broke and now had no answers, she had gotten worse in 12 years. Her bleeding had not improved. It had intensified and that was hemorrhaging. And she was crushed. She had to be anemic. She, she had to be depleted. She had to be weak. And, and because of her malady, she was considered ceremonially unclean. She had not been to church to, to worship in 12 years. Why? You couldn't come in. You're, you're not clean. When women had a coffee, she wasn't invited. Oh, no, we're not having her. She's not clean. When, when they had a time to dedicate a new baby, she wasn't invited. When there's a wedding of a family, she wasn't 12 years, she had been a total isolated recluse. Not by choice but because of a disease. Can you imagine going 12 years and never getting a phone call to be a part of anything? Never being in a public gathering, including worship? Look what happens. The Bible says, verse 27, 27, she heard about Jesus. That's a good place to start. And because she didn't want to be a scene. See, when you've been having a problem for that long, you don't want to be a poster child and everybody know what is she doing up there talking to him. You, you don't want recognition. You want healing. The Bible says she came up behind him in the crowd and she touched his robe because here's what she was thinking. If I can just touch his robes, I'd be made well. And notice that when she touched him, he she didn't start getting better. I like Mark, he says immediately, instantly, verse 29, instantly after a twelve year malady, her flow of blood ceased. And she sensed in her body. She was cured. She knew first time she was whole. In 12 years, she remembered, had a flashback of what it was like before. And suddenly she said, this is the way I felt the day that I got sick. And immediately she was cured of affliction. And at once, Jesus realized in himself that power had gone out from him. Now, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask what that means. He had all power. It still does. All authority. He, he, he could command the wind and the waves and they submit to his authority. But one woman... One woman touched him, and he said, who did, who did that? The power has gone out from me. It's kind of like you mamas with a newborn. When we, we, I'm old now, and we don't have newborns around our house, but back when we did, she didn't get up every night with that little newborn. Her eyes would be bloodshot and more than she had worn out. And she'd say, why didn't you get up with him? Not quite that kind, but that's what she said. <laughs> I said, I didn't hear him. She said, yes, you did. I said, baby, I didn't hear Listen, you could drive a freight train. Through my bedroom. The vibration might wake me up, but the noise won't get me. You did hear him. I said, baby, I did. You, you women don't hear those newborns. You sense that newborn's need. The reason you wake up is because they carried them for nine months and, and now you sense their need. And when they're troubled, you're troubled. And when they wake up, you're, you're on your feet. The Bible says, I sense my daughter just touched me. Somebody here just touched me. The power's gone out. Who, who, who is it? Now look at this. I love this. Remember, there's a crowd. Their faces everywhere, everywhere. They're pushing. And, and look at what it says. Verse 30. Jesus realized himself power had gone out from him. And he turned around in the crowd and said, who touched me? His disciples said to him, Master. I mean, they're, they're thinking, boy, this is going to be a long day. You see this crowd? <laughs> Can you hear Thomas? <laughs> you know, he always questioned everything. Master. Master. I'm sorry, I've been to deacons meeting, but here's what it says. Master, (laughs) you see this crowd pressing around you? And you're asking who touched me? (laughs) Y'all will like this this afternoon when to hit you. Verse 32, he was looking around to see who had done this. And that woman, there she is again. That woman, knowing what happened to her, now she's afraid because to touch a rabbi and make him unclean, he would absolutely... Rip you verbally till you bled. And now everybody in the crowd's gonna hear this rabbi turn and take me apart. I was hurting when I came. Please tell me you gotta have mercy. Please don't say I've made you unclean. Please don't reprimand me for daring to touch a rabbi. I know I shouldn't, but I had I'm so desperate, and I think you can help me. In fact, you just have. Please don't ruin this moment. She's afraid he's gonna call me out look what he does he calls her out but not that way she came with fear and trimming and fell down before him that crowd's pressing so for her to fall down she's she's taking a risk and she told him the whole truth and how did he respond not in I listen religion's mean religion will kill people we see folks bombed in the name of religion we see folks do bizarre things in the name of religion I ain't got no religion I got a relationship and he changed me. I'm so glad I don't have religion, aren't you? Well, the rest of you need to come forward and lay it down. Listen, religion to mean. The Bible says when Jesus was touched, when Jesus was touched, he didn't give her 17 ways now to live better. You know what he called her? Daughter. If he ever called anybody else, that in Scripture. We don't have it. What she feared he was going to do is clean her plow. And what he did is show her absolute tenderness. Isn't that just like Jesus? Some of you afraid, I, I could never walk down there and trust Jesus. Why? He's the one who's been waiting to be kinder to you than anybody you ever met. I, I just couldn't do that. Why? Why? Because I'm afraid what others might say. I'll tell you what to say. God bless you. I'm so happy for you. Whew. You know what Jesus said there, daughter? Your faith, verse 34, daughter, isn't that gonna be something in heaven when he calls us his children and calls us by name? I can't wait to hear him say, Nick, it's not gonna be like my daddy. It's gonna be gooder. Can you imagine? He's gonna call you by name, daughter. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. She came broken. Go in peace. She came troubled. Go in peace. She came with fear. What what if he calls me out? What what if he fusses at me? I just can't take it. She she came in fear, he said, Go in peace. And by the way, be free. Twelve years. How long you been struggling? D- don't, don't look religious. How long you been struggling? Somebody say, when I was a teenager, I started and I can't seem to quit. Somebody say, when I, this happened with a co-worker, I got in and I just can't seem to quit. How, how long how long's your affliction been? Twelve years. And suddenly in an instant, not a progressive program, rehabilitation, in an instant, touch of the master's hand, she was made whole. Jesus said, I want you to go be free from your affliction. And while he was still speaking, people came from the synagogue... Leader's house. Uh oh! Now they're having a celebration where where the woman's been healed, and wouldn't you know it, the Jairus is standing there the whole time. Jesus talking to ta- talking to this woman. He's thinking, "My daughter's dying. Please, Master, please. I- I'm happy for her, but I've known her. She's been in our community forever. But my little girl, my little girl, my little girl. That's why you were coming with me when she stopped us coming. Suddenly, the worst news of all. That woman that stopped him is happy, but he sees people from his house coming he doesn't have you don't have to say what's your message when you see somebody coming to your house in the middle of the day that's not expected and they've got a long look on their face you don't have to say you're here to celebrate something here they come and they look right at Jairus and said you don't need to trouble that teacher anymore your little girl just died I never did like to go as a pastor when somebody said, please go to so-and-so's house. Their little girl has swallowed something. And she choked to death. You need to go be with them. I can remember when an 18-year-old got killed in a car wreck. They said, Pastor, you need to go to this family's house and tell them their 18-year-old just got killed in a car wreck. I was a pastor in Hot Springs, Arkansas. The chairman of the pulpit committee got shot to death. He's a community Taught a community college, and a student upset over a grade walked in his office and put three bullets in him. I was at a funeral. The funeral director came out and said, You got to leave and go tell his wife. Buddy's just been murdered, and they don't want her to hear it on the news. I pulled up to her house, and she said, Well, Pastor, I didn't expect you today. I said, Brenda, you need to. He said, Well, come on in. That changed pretty quick when I told her why I was there. I never did like those trips. Here, here these men came and Jairus is hurt and thinking, that woman, if she hadn't stopped him, maybe we'd have gotten there in time. It's too late. Too late. Too late, or is it? Look at this, verse 35. While he was still speaking, people came from the synagogue leader's house. This kills you just to read it. Your 12-year-old is dead. See, here's the difference. Both are 12. woman's been suffering 12 years. She said, that's forever. If you've been battling cancer for 12 years... You say, Brother Nick, I'm so tired of doctors and treatments and feeling bad and feeling weak and I'm just worn out. That's forever. But if you had a child for 12 years, say, how can she be 12? That seems like just yesterday, both 12 years. Boy, the, the testimony is very different how those 12 years passed. Bible says here, Jesus overheard verse 36, verse 35, 36, and he said to the synagogue leader, he looked at Jairus, who now is crushed, head down. Oh, my. He said, sir, don't be afraid. That, that's, what, that's what Jesus loved to say, you remember? When the disciples thought they were going to drown on the sea, he said, fear not. He said to the wind, hush. <laughs> Wouldn't you like to do that in Oklahoma? Hush, be still. And it stopped. He said to this man who's now broken hearted. Don't be afraid, sir. Will you believe me? Can I ask you to do that today? You've been watching the news saying, Pastor, I'm terrified. Me too. Our country's in a mess. We're not godless. We're beyond that. We're reprobate. We're ready. We're cruising for a direct encounter with God Almighty, but not the kind we wanted. You know, he says to his children, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. He did not take anyone with him except the inner circle disciples, Peter, James, and John. When he got the house, he took them inside the little girl's room. And they came to the leader's house, and he saw a commotion and people weeping away. The back then, they'd have paid mourners that stand outside and wail. If you've watched the news, you've seen certainly Islamic women when there's a death. They're oh, boy, you can hear them forever. Well, then in biblical times, they do that from a house so that if somebody came through town unawares, they'd say, let's stay clear of that house. They've got mourners. Somebody in there has died. It was their way of saying to a community, we're going through a season of death here. And those mourners would weep and wail and carry on. in such a horrible commotion. The Bible says when they came to the leader's house, verse 38, he saw the commotion, people weeping and wailing, and he went in and said, why are you making a commotion and weeping? This little girl's not dead. She's asleep. And can I show you how much faith they had in Jesus? None. They started laughing. (laughs) You think she's sleeping, do you? How many dead people roughly have you ever seen? She's not asleep. Can you hear them making fun? Look, they started laughing, but he put them all outside. That's a good place for them. He took the child's father and mother, and Peter, James, and John who were with him, and he entered the place where the child was, And he took that little child by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, that's Aramaic, which is the colloquial language of the Jews. It's translated, little girl, get up. Maybe that's what her mama said to her every morning. Baby, baby, you you, you know how you tap your little child, baby? Come on, it's time to get up. He said the same thing, Talitha kum, get up. And as they were utterly astounded, at this they were utterly astounded. And verse 43 is unbelievable. And he said... Gave them strict orders. No one should know about this. Don't tell anybody and give her something to eat. (laughs) I know that happened. 2,000 years later, we're still telling the story. Why? They didn't listen. You know what secrets are. That's what you tell one person at a time, right? And then you say, don't tell anybody. That's just like announcing uh, announcing to Fox News, breaking news, and everybody knows it in two hours. I love this story. Here is this woman suffering from an issue of blood. She would suffered so much from so many for so long. She thought, well, if I could just get, if I could just get to Jesus, I'd be better. The Bible says when she got to him, she wanted to touch the hem of his garment. Now I've heard preachers preach that for years and said, bless her heart, she was so desperate. She got down on her knees amidst that crowd and touched the hem of his garment. Listen, she'd done that; she'd been asphalt. You can't, you can't kneel in a pressing crowd and not come up injured. So how in the word she touched the hem of his garment? Well, back then men wore prayer shawls. Now this isn't one. I borrowed this from Janine and I promised I'd get it back to her without a stain. That would be a miracle. But back then they'd put them over there. Jewish men put this over their outside and they put their robe over it. And these would be as long as your sandals. This part would go to your sandals. And when you became a male at 12, they would give you one of these. And at the bottom were called tallets. These little tassels are called tallets or tallit. And they were representative of what a man would demonstrate in his prayer shawl, sometimes holding it. But most often, it would be something that was of your father, grandfather, brother. And when you became 12, maybe your grandmother would cut one of your grandfather's tassels and sew to your new prayer shawl, say, now that you're a man... This will always remind you of the lineage of prayer in our family. Maybe they cut one from his father's prayer shawl. And so this represented the prayer lineage of his family. And we'd go in synagogue, he'd put that on his head, and that's the way he'd show that he's in prayer to God. But what are you going to do when you're out walking in the street and this thing's down to your sandals? If you step on one of these, it's going to pull off. So back then men would throw those up over their shoulder like this, and remember they're going to the ground. This one not go that far. But when you do, this little part, it's just hanging right there at your it's hanging right there at your shoulder blade. We're about to come to Christmas soon. You're going to sing that song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. You remember the verse says, Life and light to all he brings risen with healing in his wings? This part of a man's prayer shawl, when it was behind him, looked like wings. That woman said, if I could just touch that part of his prayer robe where he meets with God, he's got power like no man ever met. And when I hear him pray, it's a local call. If I could just touch that part of his garment that's a connector to his father, maybe I could be. She reaches out in a crowd and they're moving back because to even touch if she touches one of them. Now they've got to go through ceremonial cleansing because they're unclean, because she touched them. And they know her. She's from that city. And they see her and backing up and she's trying to get closer. And then she does the unthinkable. She touches, she touches a rabbi. And she was terrified when he turned around and said, Who touched me? thinking he's going to reprimand me sure as the world. He said, who touched me? And I think with great fear and trembling, she said, Pastor, I just wanted to touch your Talit because I really believe if I could touch your contact with the Father in prayer, you'd change my life. Did he fuss at her? You know what he did? He said, daughter. (laughs) (laughs) Daughter did not get any more tender than that she cared enough to say I'll do whatever it takes to get to Jesus what would you do to get to him how long you been suffering how long you been in denial that would be a better question to ask what would it take for you to say if I could just touch him I believe he'd help me the Bible says on that day he said daughter you can go your way you're made whole I think I could hear a shout if I'd been in Capernaum. You mean it? And the Bible says instantly she said, I, "I really am free. Free." You know, prayer will do that for you if you really pray. I'm old now and I like it, so don't mess with me. But when I was a boy, my daddy was a preacher. We lived in West Tennessee, and back then churches have revivals, and my daddy was a great pastor, good preacher. And he was asked to do a lot of revivals at small country churches, small towns all around West Tennessee and southern part of Kentucky. Back then they had two-week revival meetings. I knew you'd be thrilled. If we had a two-week meeting now, the staff wouldn't even come that long, right? No, no offense to the staff, but I'm just saying. Two weeks. First week you'd meet and it'd be about the church. And the evangelists preached the church. it said, well, this, we need to get our hearts right there, people out there lost. Second week they go after those lost people. And they'd bring them in, and they'd have people everywhere. But you know what they do to get ready? I remember going with my daddy both times. We'd go sometime the first week. I'd go with him a night or two. And second week, I'd go with him a night or two. But first week, it always amazed me. When they give the invitation, the church would start filtering down here. And nobody said, now, y'all all come pray. He'd just say, if you got somebody you need to pray for, somebody on your heart, is there something you need to do to get right with Jesus? We're getting ready to have revival. Something you need to get right. And boy, he just call for prayer, and people start lining up, and, and you could see them weeping. I didn't know how to explain that. I was 12, 14 years old. I'd never seen it, but I'd seen them. I'd seen them line up the church. they just, and somebody else would come and pray with this one, and this one would pray with this one, and for long they'd form a little circle, and the invitation went on, 12, 14, 15 verses, and then silent music while they're praying. We're over that, aren't we? When's the last time you couldn't get home on time because people still praying at the altar? When's the last time that this carpet was kind of mushy on Sunday morning from all the tears that were wept on the altar? How many of us, when we pray, it's a local call because there's such fervency and urgency in our prayer for our family and for our nation that God hears and, and, and he wipes away the tears of his people because he says, I've heard your prayer and I'm going to respond. Bible says, Bible says in that day they were so broken And they had prayed, God, please, please help me. Please help me. We pray many times for physical healing. But the tragedy, we have an illness that's much deeper. If you have cancer, you may not make it. You may die physically. But if you're afflicted with sin and not washed in the blood of Jesus, you're going to die forever. We pray a whole lot more for physical needs than we do spiritual redemption. If you come to a prayer meeting, they'll say about the livers that are Bad and kidneys are bad, and heart transplant. When's the last time you went for a prayer meeting? And never heard a single organ, a prayer for a single bodily organ need to be fixed. But every name was somebody lost, 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 lost. When's the last time? Maybe that's been too long. The Bible says this woman came to Jesus, and she didn't want just a little nice parable. She didn't want a pat on the head. I imagine after 12 years of bleeding, she was absolutely wiped out physically. She said, Master, you're my last hope. What all have you tried? You tried going counseling? Well, no, not on counselors, but if you problem sin, he can't help you. What have you tried? Well, I'm on this new medication. And you think that's gonna give you peace? What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. She came and said, What I need is a touch of the Master's hand. But she was afraid to go in front of him, afraid he'd rebuke her. So she thought, maybe if I could just come up behind and just make point with his prayer point. Make a contact with his prayer point. And Jesus said, who was that? (laughs) Somebody today, he's got your number, doesn't he? He said, why are you running from me? Why are you rejecting me? Why have you not come to me? You remember his illustration? Come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden. And I'll fuss at you, right? Right? Not even the living Bible. He says, listen, come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden. And I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. for My yoke is easy my burden is light. Well, that day Jairus thought he was the one that's going to wind up losing because his daughter had died. He was the one that rejoiced the most. For the one who dead is now alive forevermore. Years ago when I was a boy, and that's been a long time ago, when I was a young pastor, I, I, I started preaching in the 70s. Thank y'all for that response. <laughs> Some of y'all come up after and say, how big was the coal oil lantern? But, but back in the 70s, I started preaching. A young man then was a preacher's kid, so he and I could relate. My days as a preacher, and he's a preacher's kid. He's very different from me. <laughs> When he was just a boy at 11, he was all writing songs that they were singing in his dad's church, he was so gifted music. They were in California, and he was a ma- masterful songwriter. In fact, that's how we'd get to know him all over America. His name was Andre Crouch. He wrote a lot of great gospel songs. Andre Crouch wrote one that I remember because it affected me so much then and has many times, I've quoted it many times since. Here's how it goes. Why, ever wonder why you have problems and struggles and issues? Because Jesus wants to help make you what he wants you to be. Listen to this. I've had many tears and sorrows. I've had questions about tomorrow. I've had times I didn't know right from wrong. But in every situation, God gave blessed consolation. My trials come to help to make me strong. I thank God for the mountains. And I thank him for the valleys. I thank him for the storms he's brought me through. For I never had a problem, I wouldn't know that He could solve them. I wouldn't know what faith in God could do. How long you been struggling? You happy with it? Are you weary? I got good news for you. Jesus is the house, and all who come into Him, He will no wise cast out. In a moment, there'll be good pastors here. Maybe you need to come. And let them pray for you. Would you do it? Stand with me and let's pray together. Our Father, I thank you today for this marvelous story in Scripture. Two people left totally changed because everybody comes to Jesus, doesn't ever leave the same. One woman left made whole after 12 years. Goodness, what a fellowship she must have had that evening in her home. And one man who thought my little daughter's dead got home to see Jesus kneel down and lift her up and give her life again. What a moment. I believe there's somebody here today that desperately needs the touch of Jesus. I think they wear their mask well and I think they pretend all is well, but the truth is inside, they're, they're hurting. There's only one person that can really help us and that's Jesus and you came for us. You're not gonna cast us out, chastise us. You came to help us. For those who are lost, you came to give us forgiveness and mercy and and life forever renewed because the blood of Jesus shed on the cross. Somebody had to pay with their life for sin. You were willing to do that for us. The wages of sin was paid through Christ's blood. Maybe there's somebody today say, I need Jesus. I've run long enough. Why don't you come in a moment? There are going to be staff members here. You say to them, I'm ready to trust Him. Maybe there's somebody here today say, Brother Nick, I'm just really wrestling with an issue. Maybe it's sickness, job loss, economic. I don't know what it is. Whatever it is is major to you. But you know what? There's somebody here that knows that very well. His name is Jesus. You you think it didn't take courage for this woman to come and touch his back? It's going to take courage for you to step out and say, Today, I'm ready to get help. I want somebody to pray with me about this matter and leave it at the feet of Jesus. The Bible says we cast all our cares on him. Because he really does care for us. Somebody today needs to do that. Maybe some of you just need to come today and turn this altar into a place of prayer. The Father said, Jesus said, my Father's house should be called a house of prayer. Is it? If so, then this ought to be very natural to come and say, Father, today, I want to make this altar a place of prayer. You know, it's a local call when you call on Jesus. He's waiting to hear from some of you as intercessors. He's waiting to hear from some of you as a personal petitioner. Father, deal with me, please. I I can't tell you what you need to do, but I can tell you the one that helped.